Welcome to episode 58 of the Gluns for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lapore and Anthony Bruno. He's Lapore. I'm Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. If you're a new listener and you really enjoy the show, it would be a big time help if you give us a five-star rating and review on both Apple and Spotify. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you really like the content, we would appreciate it so, so much if you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. I know we've been off for a little bit, but since we've been gone, the Leafs have been on fire. They are 7-0-1 since our last podcast, currently sitting in second place in the Atlantic Division, fourth in the NHL in points percentage. They are gearing up for the Stanley Cup playoffs. We are going to go over the last couple of weeks, talk about the Hart Trophy, talk about the playoffs, a lot of stuff going on with the Leafs right now, and we're going to get into all of that. But it is now time to welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lapore. How you doing, man? Anthony Bruno, thank you so much for the great intro. Well done after a long break. Episode number 58, shout out goes to the only player in Maple Leafs history to don the number 58, Michael Bunting. Now, Bruno, Michael Bunting has been uh, the topic of a lot of conversation this year as to whether he should be nominated or, in fact, win the Calder. But either way, we're happy to celebrate Bunts here today on the GFP podcast because the guys had a great season. And uh, he's definitely on that list of best contracts in the NHL as it stands. And I will give a a round of applause to you because you pretty well called this since day one with Michael Bunting. If I seem to remember correctly, you called a 24 goal season or a 27 goal season. season. He was on pace for 26. He slowed down, obviously. But uh, I'm I'm still hoping he can get to... 23 24 goals over these last 10 games he better get moving he's kind of on a slump he's making me a little nervous yeah what is it 16 games now i believe 16 game goal drought for bunting yeah but lapore do you do you think he has a chance still to win the calder trophy or has that ship just completely sailed i think it sailed i think uh i think based on and again we're trying to get inside people's heads there's that whole thing of his age where, you know, he's 26 years old and that's not supposed to matter and it shouldn't matter. And I don't think it matters, but there's still that seed in people's heads where, you know, he's a little older. So had he say had a 30 goal season or been the leader by a great margin in points, I think there would have been that, that kind of influence to voters that, yeah, this guy should get it regardless of his age. And now with we'll call it a slump like i still think he's got like 20 assists in his last 20 games or something like that and his five on five numbers are very good but i just think the way cedar raymond and other guys have come on i don't see him being like the standout guy that jumps in a voter's heads as the winner how do you see it yeah i agree just based on his age it kind of makes me feel it kind of just feels wrong honestly yeah to give yeah. him the calder trophy even though right now lapore i'm looking at the the points leaderboard for rookies. He leads all rookies in scoring right now with 57 points. Right. But Cedar's a defenseman, man. Yeah. Yeah. Like Zegris and Lucas Raymond are right behind bunting at 54 points. And then Moritz Siders at 45 points, but he's been instrumental 
to that Red Wings team. Not like the Red Wings are good or anything or going to make the playoffs, but he's been a beast for them this season. So, yeah, I think if Bunting was going to win the Calder Trophy, he had to finish, like, head and shoulders above these guys. Like, he had to be 10 points clear, you know, seven to eight goals clear of these guys. But going into this slump where it's been 16 games without a goal, I believe he still has, like, 11 assists in that span. So he's still been putting up the points, you know, playing with Matthews and Marner, but I think he's, he's slowed down too much. And when you're now on the same level as all these other guys who are like five, six years younger than him, mm-hmm. I just don't think you can give uh, bunting the Calder at this point. Yeah. It's kind of like how Ty goes to the runner. I think Ty goes to the younger and in, in, in a voter's head, at least, I mean, even if a voter would deny that, I think you can't help but have it in you that, yeah, the younger guy should get it. But like on the award altogether, do you think, are you okay with how they describe who can win the award? Or I should say the rules with regard to who's eligible. Do you think a 26 year old should be able to win it? Or even like he's played seasons. He just hasn't, hasn't clipped like the game totals. Do you think it should be maybe they should move it to say maybe under 23 or say maybe you could only have played games in one previous season or something like that. Yeah. To be honest, I don't love it. Yeah. Again, something about it just feels wrong awarding it to someone who's 26 years old, even the year Panarin won, you know, we all see Panarin now as like one of the superstars in the league, but when he entered the NHL, I I believe he was like 24 years old. Yeah, he was the year he won the the rookie of the year. And he had like over 80 points that season playing with Patrick Kane and we knew right away this guy was going to be a beast. It, you know, the same thing with Kirill Kaprizov. Yeah. Right? It just it feels wrong. It's like these guys are, are further along in their development, whether it's playing in Europe or wherever they've been playing, right? And they've proven themselves. Like, I remember Kaprizov, his last year in the KHL, he scored like 30-something goals, comes to the NHL, immediately looks like, you know, one of the best players on the ice. Little and you're player. comparing him against you know, a 19, 20 year old kid who was just drafted. Yeah. It's just, just, it's just hard to do. They're just at different stages in their development. So yeah, I think they have to make it an age thing moving forward where like, if you're over the age of 23, even though it's your first year in the NHL, sorry, man, we just, we just can't give you the rookie of the year. Yeah. Awards, awards to me have always been a weird thing. And also kind of like how fandom ties into it. I've always found it odd how fans care so much about awards and a player on their team winning an award. And let's face it, guys, these awards are subjective. Like I always laugh at the Norris trophies. You like these Twitter wars about who's better guys. You're talking about elite players here. It's neck and neck and whoever gets the most votes. And now there's this uh, strategic voting. I remember, I don't know if you ever saw it. There's a few years ago where I forget if it was, the year a year Doughty beat Carlson, or if it was the year Doughty beat Carlson, or one of the years Carlson beat Doughty. But if I remember correctly, you put five names on your ballot, you list five guys, and it's a point system where it's like the guy who you put first gets five points, and then it goes down to the guy who put fifth getting one point. And there, and it was it was a two-horse race that year, Carlson or Doughty. And voters were leap were putting the opposite guy at fifth or completely off the ballot because it makes sense. If I'm voting for Carlson, for example, if I put him first and he gets five points and then I put Doughty second and he gets four, 
Carlson on my vote only gets a lead of one point. Where if I put Carlson and completely leave Doughty off the ballot, he's got a five point lead on him compared to like Man, on the totalities. I, so it, it's, it's, I all get bullshit. it, but that's, that's so shady. Well, they say some of the, uh, a lot of people have said because of that. So they release for the most part, or f- maybe for all the awards, they do release the ballots, but they don't release who the ballots belong to. And some people have called for that to make it, make guys be yeah, a make it more transparent, ca- right? Yeah. Well, no, you left so-and-so like you left, Austin Matthews completely off the heart ballot because you wanted so-and-so to win. I mean, so may- maybe that's a solution. But to me, I was finding it hilarious, whether it's like the Vezina, the Norris, the heart. If anything, it's such a weird thing in hockey. Now we're going in a whole direction we weren't planning to. Player uh, Fans brag and brag and brag about the players who play for their teams. My player is better than your player. You know, my guy should win the Norris. Our goalie is the best in the league. but when it comes to contract time, fans do like the reverse. Like Leafs fans will be like, I don't know, I'll shit on Leaf fans. They'll be like, whoa, like whoa, people are screaming, Matthews is the best player in the league. Look at this season, slam dunk heart trophy. But when it comes to contract time, well, he shouldn't get as much as McDavid. It's, it's, I've always find, found like fandom. Oh, it's, it's, it's hilarious, man. Fans are, fans are crazy. Short for fanatic, <laughs> obviously. That's a good this title is how it is. Their, their player... Their star player, their prospect is always the best prospect. Like it's yeah. just, it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Then come contract time, oh my god, God forbid you break the bank on your star player because it's going to ruin your salary cap. But that's what they deserve. You're just talking about them like they're the best player in the world. They deserve that money. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's just crazy how that cycle just never ceases to amaze me. It's, it's the same thing. And I guarantee- I've, always been of the, I've always been of the opinion, like, I don't want my players to win awards. Like, I think we had a discussion with, in our first season about, like, Riley winning the Norris. And I was like, I don't want Riley to touch the Norris trophy because we're fucked if he gets a Norris. He's going to want $10 million. So, no, 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 Riley. Don't even get nominated as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, there's, uh, there's a lot of situations. Like, the same with Jack Campbell, right? Yes. Earlier in the season where he was one of the top three favorites for the Vesna trophy in the betting markets were like oh man can you imagine yeah. he wins the Vesna this season mm-hmm. how much of the Leafs gonna have to pay him and now the guy has like a sub 900 save percentage over the last three to four months yeah so that contract is has gone completely down the tube but yeah you bring up a lot of a lot of good points there Lapore. the thing with Campbell like again like broad question It'll be interesting to see like where his contract stuff goes, whether it's with the Leafs or not. But at the end of the day with Campbell, I mean, has anyone spent more money than him this year? Probably not, I guess, based on like his performance at the start of the season. Like we have to look at the list of free agents or even if we look at the last five years, like if you ask people at X point in the season, what you would have guessed the contract would be compared to, the end of the season and, and who knows if the Leafs going to run in the playoffs it'll all get back to that no matter what but it just man the guy spent a lot of dough he's cost himself a lot of money this year yeah we his contract if he had maintained his pace you had to believe it would have been between like five and seven million yeah or something five like years that or something yeah yeah and probably a longish term type deal you know I don't think they would have signed him to like a seven or eight year deal or anything like that but I think for sure he probably would have been like locked into a five-year deal. He still might get a five-year deal. Just obviously the value of the contract is not going to be 
close to what we thought it was. But like you said, Lapore, if the Leafs do go on a playoff run and yeah. Campbell shines in the playoffs, then we're right back to where we were a few months ago and talking about Jack Campbell getting paid. Yeah, and by by a run, we mean win a round. <laughs> yeah, just, just win a damn round. Lapore, we need to talk about Austin Matthews. Who? Austin Bleepin' Matthews. Yeah. He has been unbelievable. 51 goals in his last 50 games. He leads the league with 58 on the season. The first player to score 50 goals in a 50-game span since Mario Lemieux in 95-96. We are witnessing greatness. I was at the Leafs-Habs game on Saturday. Nice. And, I mean, this guy is just... There are no words to describe this guy. He is so locked in right now. Every single time he's on the ice and every single time he touches the puck, you think something magical is about to happen. Like yeah. that's the feeling I get. Well, I'll Whether ask you because you were there. Like it felt like on TV every time he had the puck, there was a buzz. Like, did you feel it in the arena? Oh, like, absolutely. Fans, here we go. Yeah. The fans are because everyone knows obviously the history that was at stake on Saturday night. Everyone knows the season that he's putting together. There really is a buzz every time that dude steps on the ice and he just looks different. Mm. You know, you got a dude who's out there who's 6'2", 6'3", 215 pounds, has improved his skating immensely. Underrated He's, topic about Matthews. He has improved his skating yes. to a crazy level. Yeah, He moves around a lot better. Not to say he didn't move around well when he first entered the league, but man, he can really move out there and just the hands and the little plays that he makes, you know, like these little... He'll just grab the puck. He'll make like this crazy, like flip play off the boards or like, he'll, you know, make some crazy saucer pass. And he just does shit that like, you, you honestly, you can't even believe. And again, he's not the only guy who's capable of some of these things. Obviously Connor McDavid all Ed, before Edmonton fans, you know, lose it on us, but yeah, watch, <laughs> watching him in person, it, it's really something special. And mm. yeah, I mean the, the pace he's on right now, like Lepore, he is on pace to score 67 goals in oh. 77 games. So I oh. ask you, Michael Lepore, how many goals do you think he's actually going to score this season? The magic question. Uh, I don't think anyone else has brought that up on Twitter or anywhere else in, uh, in Leafland lately. But one of you have it in front of you, what's the, what's the over under on him right now? Do you know? I mean, cause that's a tough bet. That's a tough line for say Vegas to make. How many goals will he finish with? How many games left? 10? 10 games left. So he is on pace. He's got 58 goals in 67 games. Okay. Over 77. Yeah, it's it's just under, I'm rounding up to 67 goals. So he's on pace for 66, 67 goals over 77 games. The number, the number I thought I would pick would be 66. I think 66 is the number. Like they were saying today, talking on TSN, if he'd hit 70. I mean, 12 goals in his next 10 games. I mean, <laughs> bet against him, uh, no pun intended. But just, I mean, now we're going full-on bananas. Like, and even then, we're going full-on bananas historic. Like, there's that short list of guys who've had 70-goal seasons. But 66, I'll say 66 is the number. Um, and I, I know it doesn't really matter who teams play with regard to goal totals. Like, there's no argument I hate more in hockey when a player is having an unbelievable season. And fans, fans of other of other teams point out, oh, but they play in this division against these teams. 
every time McDavid plays Arizona, he doesn't get like seven points. You know what I mean? Or he might have like a four point night against Colorado. I, I just hate when people point to that, but the Leafs are playing a lot of games. They should win. And they are playing um, teams they should score against. And Matthews scores a high percentage of their goals. So I will say that he clips 65 and gets to 66 to uh, to put the cherry on top for the season and make it kind of like a magical thing tying into the the Mario Lemieux aspect of this whole story where you're putting number 34 as far as goals it. go. I love that, Lapore. The magic number for me is 65 because... On the nose. Because that's how many Ovechkin scored in Stamkos his high scoring well, right? season. What's that? Stamkos as well had 65. Yeah, or Stamkos yeah. had 60, I believe. Oh, you're right. My bad. Yeah, Stamkos is last guy at 60. You're right. Yeah. Yeah. So Stamkos had 60 and Ovechkin hit 65. I'm, I'm looking at Ovechkin's stats right now. That was in 2007 08. Mm-hmm. He had 65 goals and 112 points. So if he can surpass that Ovechkin season from 07 08, I, that would be phenomenal because when you when you look at that and you era you know the era adjusted leaderboards that I'm sure we'll see over the last ten games of the season. Yeah. You know how they say that that Ovechkin 65 goal season was equivalent to like one of the top three to four goal scoring seasons of all time. Mm-hmm. I'd be very interested to see where this Matthew season ranks in that same conversation because if he can hit 66, 67 goals. It's got to be like a top three, you would think, goal scoring season of all time. I think goals are up actually for the season. I think I've seen people point out that the goals are up this year. That's true. This season, I I do believe goals are up, so maybe that'll take them like, back yeah. a notch in the area compared to Justin. maybe Ovechkin's year. Yeah, or you know, obviously. Yeah, but I, I'm sure we'll we'll be seeing a lot of that over the last two to three weeks of the season. But yeah, I, I think he can hit 65 for sure. So that's seven goals over the next ten games. I think mm-hmm. if he can hit 65, that would be beautiful. I, I still think it's 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 unlikely, honestly, that he'll hit 65, like to score seven goals in the next 10 games. I mean, I say it's unlikely, but it's Austin Matthews. That's like, like his career could... average, though. <laughs> exactly. I know it's just insane to to think about, to talk about, because he's just so damn good. But yeah, he, I mean, he's hitting 60 for sure. Like there's no way he's going into a drought here and scoring two over his last 10. I think yeah. I just totally jinxed him, but yeah, yeah, way to go. Yeah, for me, yeah, I, I agree with you. I like 65 is the magic number, but if he can hit 66 and pass Ovechkin, that would be phenomenal. Yeah, and you mentioned how he's got, was it 51 and 50? Can people stop getting upset when people, when like uh, guys on TV or on Twitter are bringing that up because it didn't start at the beginning of the season? They know that. It's two separate things. Everyone's fully aware that, you know, when Gretzky did 50 and 39, it was the first 39 games of the season. The times Lemieux did it or Brad Hall. We get that. They're just pointing out that over a span of 50 games, Austin Matthews has 51 goals. And comparatively, they're listing guys who've done the same thing, not necessarily from the starting point of the season. So can everyone just relax? Maybe I know I'm giving people too much credit and fan base is too much credit, but there's any opportunity to take a shot at the Leafs, right? Or anything the Leafs can be oh, happy think- about. Like, oh my God. It's such a joke. I, I have a message to people out there. Stop being an insecure fan. For the yeah. love of God, stop being an insecure fan. Last year, we were all gushing over Connor McDavid, okay, who had 105 points in 56 games. 
guy played out of his damn mind. He's he's still lead, he's leading the league in scoring right now when it comes to points. We were all talking about how it was one of the greatest point producing seasons that we've pretty much ever seen. Again, going back to like the era adjusted conversation. If you're a fan of another team, I get it. Hate the Leafs all you want, but can you just acknowledge how great Austin Matthews has been this season? Like it's not hard. Just just step back for two seconds and 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 understand what he's accomplishing right now. Again, you don't have to be a Leaf fan. You don't have to gush like crazy over Austin Matthews, but it's like, get over it. Yeah, I remember back in the day, like here, here I am, the Leaf fan living in Ottawa, when Heatley had back-to-back 50s. I was kind of hoping for it. Yeah, right? I, like, I was let's, loving let's, that. Let's, let's see him do it. You know what I mean? I don't know. I don't know oh my God, I loved that line. I, I know it sounds crazy to say, you know, I loved anything about the Ottawa Senators being a Leaf fan, but that line with Spezza, Heatley, and Alfredson, yeah, the pizza oh my line. god, that was like honestly to this day one of the most electric lines I've ever seen. Maybe he's not really known uh, outside of Ottawa, so that line was called the Pizza Line. Here, there you go. And the reasoning for it was because back in the day when they used to do cool stuff like this, if the Senators scored five goals and won, your ticket got you a free slice of pizza at Pizza Pizza. And I actually remember going in like this, obviously way back. I remember going into a Pizza Pizza. And the guy refused. The guy refused it because what? the Sens were doing, yeah, because the Sens were doing it like every game. He's like, this promotion's killing my business oh <laughs> because my I'm getting hundreds of people every time coming and wanting a free slice of pizza with their ticket. And who knows how they set it up with the franchise owners and all that. So they had to change the rule to six goals. The Sens had to score six and win. So they, they got that name, the wow. pizza line, because obviously it was all about them, right? Just lighting it up. Love that little history lesson there. There you are in his, in the history of the Ottawa senators on the GFP podcast. Yeah. It's just, it's ridiculous. Some of the, the tweets I've seen in response to whether, you know, it's one of these networks tweeting out a graphic about how Matthews has become the first guy to score 50 and 50 since Lemieux and just so much hate and negativity. Get over it. Just enjoy what you're watching right now. Mm. Okay. Again, hate the Leafs all you want, but, if any other star player was doing this, we would all be, you know, standing ovation and and praising the player. But because it's Austin Matthews and he plays for the Leafs, it's it's a it's a bullshit stat and and these networks are just making things up. And I mean, just yeah. some of the they're trash playing the I've Red Wings, the Senators, and the Canadians. I, I love that one. And I touched on it earlier about the teams people play. Everyone's well, he plays in a division with the the Red Wings. Uh, Canadians and Senators. He also plays in a division with the Panthers, Lightning, Bruins, like people, man. Just unbelievable. Exactly. It's just, again, just to put a bow on this, please stop being an insecure fan, please, for five minutes and just appreciate what you're watching. That's all I ask. Please. Okay. It's time for a quick break for a word about Manscaped. Fellas, have you started spring cleaning yet? The carpets need cleaning, the drapes need dusting, and your lawn needs mowing. Spring has sprung, and the global leaders in below-the-waist grooming have the best tools for the job. Time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code GFP20. Lapore, these products are amazing. These products are amazing, Anthony Bruno. You guys all heard it from him. And unlike Bruno and I's favorite hockey team that always disappoints, these products from Manscaped never disappoint. Go to manscaped.com, put in the promo code GFP20 for 20% off and free shipping worldwide. 
I can't say enough good things about these products. The shampoo, the body wash, the lawnmower 4.0. Go down the list. They have so many great products. Go check out the website. And like we said, you will get 20% off and free shipping using the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the promo code GFP20 at manscaped.com. It's time to throw out your old hygiene habits and upgrade your life. Let's go. Anyway, Lapore, Hart Trophy. Hart Trophy. Okay, so right now, Austin Matthews is a big favorite to win the yeah, Hart Trophy. It's like minus 350 or something. Minus 350. Okay. And Connor McDavid is second on the betting board at plus 400. It's essentially a two-horse race based on the betting markets, at least, because Jonathan Huberto is next on the list at 16-1. to 1. Really? Okay. So those are the top three. Matthews at minus 350. McDavid at plus 400 and then Jonathan Huberto at 16 to one plus 1600. So, I mean, Matthews is going to win the heart, right? I mean, there's, there's no way he loses it over these final 10 games. Yeah. Someone I forget who was on TSN pointed out with his season, especially that people talk about value about a value of the player. The Leafs are near the top of the standings and he's got a big part to do with that. So I think he's got it. And it's kind of funny. I, I've always kind of thought, yeah, Matthews will sneak in a heart trophy in his career. A couple of years back, we were probably sitting here and saying, you know what, McDavid's going to win like eight in a row or like win it every year for the next who knows how long. But I did always think, you know, yeah, Matthews is going to have a year where he does score like 60. So he gets a number like that and they'll give it to him. And again, everyone, they're subjective awards. And I think back to awards, people often freak out and they'll say, oh, this player won this award as kind of like a lifetime achievement award. I'm always kind of okay with that because again, they're subjective awards. You can debate and argue every year on who's going to win. If there's a guy who's just never been the guy, I'm okay. Yeah, just give it to him this year. If it's the Norris or whatever, the Vezina, whatever. But as far as the heart goes, he's going to have 60 some odd goals. The Leafs are going to finish near the top of the standings. The run he's been on the second half of the season or more in the second half of the season has been unbelievable. I think he's got it. But when you step back, I'd like to look at past seasons. This has been an absolutely crazy season as far as individuals go. You have McDavid. Like, what's McDavid's pace? Like 125 points or something? Yeah, right Uh, now, McDavid Lapore, as I check this again, he has 108 points in 72 games. With 10 games to go. Yeah. Ish. Yeah. Yeah. He has exactly 10 games to go. I I don't know if he's missed a game this year. mm. I don't think he has. But yeah, over 82 games, that's a 123 point pace. Okay. So say 120 points. Hasn't been done very often lately. 120 point season. Roman Yossi, 100 points for a defenseman. Unbelievable. You have Huberto, who broke the record for assists by a left winger. And then you have Shesterkin, who is, is historically having uh, an unbelievable season as far as, as, uh, as far as his numbers go. It's a crazy year. Like, think, think of what I just said. List all those guys. You're going to have people. You're going to have a couple of those guys not even on the ballot. Think of it this way, man. Think of Dreisaitl's season. Think of the season Dreisaitl's having. What what are his odds to win to win uh, the hard trophy? No one's even mentioned his name. He's having an unbelievable yeah. season. Dry Settle's got 50 goals, 101 points, 
and he is 50 to one to win the heart trophy. Yeah. Step back and think about that for a second, man. We're, 50 we're lucky to one. We're lucky, man, to be watching seasons like this by so many players. The Huberto thing is weird though. If when you step back and look at those lists of left wingers and stats, it's, in, it's kind of low. It's, it's almost as if, and I was like, like, left wing hasn't been a good position in the history of the National Hockey League, but compared to the other positions, it kind of hasn't, right? Like, you, you would think someone in the 80s would have had who knows how many assists out of left wing, but I guess those, num- those statistical dominant numbers have always been center and right wings. But to sum it all up, I think he's got it. The, the, the betting boards uh, are saying he's got it. And we still have some games to go, but barring an injury uh, or just an, an absolute collapse that I do not see happening, you're going to have a Toronto Maple Leaf holding the Hart Trophy, man. Pretty special, honestly, because I didn't think we'd ever see a Toronto Maple Leaf become, at least for one season, the best player in the NHL. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard to really process that. I mean, growing up watching this team, Matt Sundin was always the best Leaf. Right when we were growing up watching this team, but he was never in the conversation as one of the top, let's call it three players in the league. Yeah, he was a great player, but he was never even close to being the best player in the NHL, as good and as consistent as Sundin was. But now we're watching Austin Matthews, who's going to score 60 something goals. He's a lock right now for the hard trophy. I mean, he's a lock, like barring just an app, barring like even if he gets injured, honestly. Over these last 10 games, he probably still wins the Hart Trophy. Like That's how good he's been. And to me, the biggest fall from grace has been Shesterkin. Yes, underrated because, topic. Because he was, you know, you go back three, four weeks ago, people were saying that Shesterkin should win the Hart Trophy because he's having like the best season since Dominic Hasek and looking at his goals saved above expected. But Shesterkin has not been good over the last month. He has had a bunch of stinkers. His last couple of games have been good. He's he's rebounded. He, he had a shutout. Um, another big game before that, as I look at his game log, he shut out the Penguins 3-0, and then they beat Ottawa 5-1. So he only allowed one goal. But before that, man, he, he had a rough little stretch there. And if you go look at the goals saved above expected numbers, he's only three goals saved above expected above Freddie Anderson oh, right geez. now. This is according to moneypuck.com. Um, there's a, you know, depending on where you go, the numbers might vary a little bit, but he's, he's completely fallen off the map. Again, I, he's still having a fantastic season and he's probably going to finish on the top three on the ballot, but I, I don't think there's any way in hell Shesterkin can, you know, come back and steal the heart at this point. And then you have Connor McDavid, who, again, according to the betting markets is number two, but I don't really see how McDavid could win the heart trophy at this point, unless he gets like, I don't know, 20 points over his last 10 games yeah, and finishes probably. that far ahead of everybody else in the scoring race. But even then, you know, how do you compete with a guy who's scoring 65 goals, something we haven't seen since 2008? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, Matthews is a lock. And if I wasn't going to take Matthews at this point, my money would be on Connor McDavid, but I don't really think he has a chance to win. Yeah. It's kind of like the sides the sad history of the Toronto Maple Leafs franchise. And we're correctly, like I'm almost certain Gilmore, I know he was nominated for the heart in 93, the year he won the Selkie. I think he came second to Lemieux that year. So just 
like before this year in the last who knows how many years we had one nominee not good wow but yeah we we can that means we can celebrate it more when uh when 34 gets his hands on the trophy or or and, and again let's be honest as leafs fans we talk about people chirping us and whatever imagine another for imagine he finishes with the 65 goals gets the trophy if they lose in the first round again it'll make it feel bad it'll, it's it'll be a it'll, disaster oh my like even him going up there to get it like twitter's gonna explode right away yeah but just oh god it's it's it's, it's so funny how it all ties into one thing it all comes down to the playoffs lapore that's yeah. that's what it always comes down to and speaking of the playoffs oh yes who do you think the Leafs want in the opening round? I guess there's two different conversations. Like, who do you want the Leafs to play? Mm-hmm. But who do you think they, they want in this opening round? Because obviously the top of the Atlantic division is absolutely stacked. Yeah. And right now, if the playoffs started at this moment that we're recording this podcast, the Leafs would have home ice in the first round against the Tampa Bay Lightning. Mm-hmm. But is that the team? You want them to play in the first round, Lapore? It's not. The Tampa Bay Lightning are not a team I want to touch in the first round. I'll break it down this way. And I really do mean this. Whether it is Florida or Boston or Tampa Bay, whoever, however the, the cards fell, whoever Toronto played in the first round, I would feel good about it. Whoever they played, I'd probably put the Leafs as a slight favorite, whoever they played. Call me Homer all you want. But I circle Boston as a team that, again, there's the demons of the past, but if the Leafs can somehow get that out of their brain, I just look at the two lineups and I look at the two seasons that I look at the seasons Marner and Matthews are having. And the team, the team as a whole, the, the type of season they're having, I can't see. I said, I can't see it. Of course it can happen, but I wouldn't bet on Boston beating Toronto four out of seven. This Boston lineup versus this Leafs lineup. Now, that's not to say it's an impossibility. Boston's a very, very good team and fully capable of beating the Leafs. But when I look at the Tampa Bay Lightning, to me, there's just too many X factors that can flip the series on its head. Right off the bat, Vasilevsky. Second, this team is the two-time defending Stanley Cup champion. We know they have the pedigree and we know they're battle-tested. So you get up in a series 3-2 or even 3-1, to one, you're not going to count the Tampa Bay Lightning out. They can reel off three wins in a row. They've been there before and they've done it. Florida, I don't want to see like a track meet of a series because that, that's exactly what it'll be. It'll be fun as hell for the neutral fan, but I just want to see that type of series. Now, like now let me step back a second and tell everyone, like, I think these are three elite teams, and I think these are three teams that can win the Stanley Cup. But I think if I just had to pick one, I think I would pick Boston. I'd say bring on the Bruins. And there's also the, maybe the seed in me that just wants to see the Leafs beat the Bruins. And I don't know. I'll ask you this too. Is there a team that it's kind of a cheesy, a cheesy line, but is there a team? Uh, is there a team that you think will give the Leafs more momentum if they beat the compared to like beating the Bruins going forward in the playoffs? Like, I think that'd be such a huge thing. For, that would be massive. Laporte. Yeah. Get that monkey off their back of finally beating the Bruins in the playoffs. The last three times we all know how it ended in game seven. 
And I agree with you. I think the Bruins are the best first round matchup for the Leafs. I really do. Mm -hmm. I want nothing to do with Tampa. You mentioned everything. I don't have to go over it again. And another one other thing about Tampa is John Cooper. He's a yes. coach that I trust that is just always going to make the right decisions, whether it's in-game decisions, game-to-game -game decisions with the lineup and making adjustments. That I, I want nothing to do with John Cooper. He's a top three coach in the league. He's phenomenal. And don't be fooled by you know, where Tampa is in the standings right now. And maybe they've been struggling a little bit recently. They don't the playoff care. start, yeah. the back-to-back -back champs, that's a team that knows how to win and they're going to lock in, want nothing to do with them. And you mentioned Florida. I think Florida and the Leafs are very similar teams. I know Florida is eight points ahead of the Leafs in the standings right now. I believe it's eight points. I should double check yeah, that. Yeah, it sounds right. Yeah, Eight points ahead in the standings. But they are so similar. Right now, the two high-scoring teams in the league in goals per game, Florida's number one, the Leafs are number two. Yep. And you look at goals against, they're literally in the same spot as well. The, yeah. the only difference is that the Leafs, have their goaltending has been pretty bad this year. I was looking at the goaltending stats before we came on. Right now, on the season, the Leafs sit 30th in the NHL in five-on-five -five save percentage. Only the Kraken and New Jersey Devils have been worse. And then in terms of overall save percentage in all situations, the Leafs sit 23rd in the NHL. That's since the beginning of the season? Yeah, that's since the beginning of the season. So this Leaf team, I didn't know we Lepore, were 30th. I did not know we were 30th. This Leaf team is on pace for a 114-point season. And that would put them second in the Atlantic division. Oh, my putting God. Putting up a, a franchise record, 114 points. And that is despite sitting 30th in the NHL in five-on-five -five save percentage. Process that for a second. It's impossible, yeah. It's just absolutely insane. Can you imagine this team was getting average goaltending at five-on-five -five this season? Yeah. It's just, it's just wild to think about. So, yeah, I want the Bruins in the first round. I just, I just look at the Bruins roster from top to bottom. It's just not very good. Like, obviously, that, you know. Wow. Not very good. I no, I, I'm just, I, I will say this. Listen, yeah, I don't want to say they're trash or anything. That would be outrageous. Obviously, they have Bergeron and Marshawn anchoring that first line. David Pasternak, who's currently out right now, he has been moved down the lineup onto that second line with Taylor Hall. But I just look at their centers, Lepore. Okay, so Bergeron is obviously fantastic. But then you have Eric Halla, Charlie yeah. Coyle, and Thomas Nosek. Those are really the four centers you're throwing at teams in the playoffs. Like losing David Krejci, I think is huge. And I think come playoff time, that is going to be something that you can exploit with this Bruins team. Just their depth down the middle at center. I should say their lack of depth. Their defense core has improved, obviously, with Hampus Lindholm coming over at the trade deadline. Jeremy Swayman's having a great year in net. Swayman, it, yeah. It's just a team that depth-wise, Lepore, I don't think they stack up well with the Leafs. Again, I, I'm, I'm scared that the, Bru the Bruins are a really good defensive team. But just when I look up and down the roster, I just don't think they have the firepower to compete with the Leafs. And you've seen it earlier this year. The, the Leafs beat the Bruins 6-4 March 29th. They beat the Bruins 5-2 back in November. And even that 6-4 game, remember, they got out to like, I didn't believe it was like a 6-1 lead. Yeah, and they were down to like four defensemen by the end or something. Like, yeah. Yeah, so so that's the team I'm circling. And even you you made that great point about the momentum. If they can somehow get over the hump against Boston, 
this team's going to be riding real high, man. I saw a stat about Boston too, and I wish I remember the exact numbers, but their record against good teams is terrible. Like, I think I saw something in the Eastern Conference against X teams. They're like five and 14 or something. So they're just, I mean, that means they're kicking the shit out of everyone in the lower half. So make of that what you wish, but it's just something to look at. Um, it's tough, man. Like, because again, these, these are all good teams. So to pick one and to really and truly say, like, I want them, I mean, uh, be, be my guest. But I just want to be quick here and say that maybe I'm not even criticizing the Bruins when, I, <laughs> when I'm picking them. I'm more just giving so much respect to Tampa and Florida. And you mentioned the Krejci thing. It's funny. So as a Lee fan, with regard to this topic, just a fan of a team not named the Boston Bruins, I was kind of afraid of the Leafs losing Krejci because of what he was being paid. And his production didn't match what he was being paid. He had that huge contract. But Bruins fans were telling me, no, 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 we're fucked when we lose Krejci. Like, I remember a couple of my buddies are, are uh, big Bruins fans, and they were saying, no, it's going to be a hard hit when we lose him, regardless of what we're paying him. And we'll see. I mean, they've had a really good season, but we'll see if that comes to play in the playoffs, and it really does affect them in a negative way. It makes them weaker down, like that much weaker down the middle and puts them in a, um, a poor situation as far as matchups go. Yeah, because when you're getting down to a seven-game series and you're preparing every single night, you're locking in on all the individual matchups and the coaches are really, really diving into the X's and O's and making adjustments, not having David Krejci as your number two center, I think is really going to hurt. And again, I, I mentioned the list of centers the Bruins have. It just doesn't stack up with the Leafs. And who knows? You know, Boston has actually seen some success moving Pasternak off that top line and kind of spreading out their offense. But in the two games against the Leafs this season, the Leafs have just flat out looked like the better team. Now, you could say we're idiots because we were jumping for joy when the Leafs played the Habs last year in the first round, and we thought it was a cakewalk of a matchup. And, I mean, I think everyone thought that across the NHL. And then, obviously, that ended poorly not to make any excuses, John Tavares played three minutes in the series. Maybe that would have changed things. But again, it's like you said, Lapore. they're all good teams. But if we're really going to be nitpicking here, the Bruins seem like the weakest team, obviously, of the four when it comes to the Atlantic division right now. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, 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 don't think, I don't think that's a hot take. And I don't think, well, I was going to say, I don't think Bruins fans would get, would get too offended by that. But oh, yeah, they're fucking they're, they'll, they'll be offended. I promise. <laughs> yeah, the, the comments are already hitting. Wait for the playoffs. Wait for the playoffs. Wait yeah, for the they'll, playoffs. They'll, be, they'll find a way to be extremely offended by that. I, I promise yeah. you. Yeah. Go Lepore, another thing with the Leafs, okay. I mean, we, we know they're one of the highest scoring teams in the league. I was comparing them to the Florida Panthers. Very similar teams. Like if they met in a playoff series, it would be an absolute track meet and probably the most entertaining playoff series we've ever seen. Honestly, yeah. it could be right up there just yeah. based on the styles they play. They're, they're not that great defensively either team. But do you think the Leafs style this, you know, I don't want to call it a run and gun style because they want to play good defensive hockey and Sheldon Keith preaches this. And I think that, their team defense and their structure has kind of taken a, you know, people haven't really given it the respect it deserves because the goaltending has been so bad. And I think that's why the Leafs defensive numbers look worse than they actually are. 
But do you think the yeah. style the Leafs play can actually work come playoff time? <laughs> I, I, I'm hesitating to say. It comes down to one thing. We already pointed out and questioned what their record would be, where they would be in the standings, and the overall NHL standings had they been getting average goaltending all season. Give us the 915 or 918, whatever it is. It comes down to that. It, it really and truly comes down to that. If the Leafs get average goaltending, save a little over 9 out of 10 shots, they'll be tough to beat. But it's a question. And is Jack Campbell going to be able to do that? Well, you know, who knows? Maybe he's not even going to be the guy the way this season's going and the, the craziness we've had in between the pipes. But of course, I'm, uh, of course like I, I'm worried about it. I am. Based on their style, they can win on their style. They can. Everyone points to the goals they give up, the chances they give up. It goes both ways. If you give up, the, what's more important is the differential you have in scoring chances and goals. But the problem with the Leafs lies with, is our goalie going to be so bad that it doesn't matter that we're heavily outchancing the other team? So is it a style question? No, like a high-flying offensive team can win the Stanley Cup. We saw the Penguins do it as an example, and they had defensemen you could barely name. But it's just a matter of getting the save when you need it. And will the Leafs goalie be able to make that save when they need it or just not lose the game for them altogether? That's the question. And I'm worried about it because if I'm being perfectly honest, I'm not really worried about anything else. I'm not. People could say, well, our Matthews and Martin are going to perform. I hate all that talk. And I'm not even talking about the Leafs, just about players in general. The reason why certain players have poor playoff numbers compared to their regular season is because there's not enough of a sample. If Austin Matthews played a hundred playoff games, he's not going to have like 14 goals. It's not going to be that different from his paces in regular seasons. Same thing go. People always talk about in football, a quarterback has two or three bad playoff games and oh, he can't get it done in the playoffs. No, it's a sample size of like two or three games. Not because he just walks out there and is not good because it's a playoff game and all this pressure gets to him. There's pressure all the time. There's pressure every week, every game. So I'm not going to say there, there aren't guys who elevate in the playoffs when the chips are in, they, they're able to really step up. But I'm not afraid of Matthews and Marner performing. I think the D's been good. Like, I think this D top to bottom is a solid D. And this team is 8-1-1 one, and one since they acquired Giordano. Keefe was not fucking lying when he said, he's what, he, what was the exact term he said? He's, he's filled a lot of holes or something yeah. he said like that. I still got it right here, Lapore. He said, it's no coincidence that in, this is early on, that in the three games that he's been here, those are the fewest chances we've given up. And then yeah. he also mentioned he loves the way that everything is slotted now, shift after shift. We're killing plays before they develop. Yeah. So I'm not I'm not worried about the D. I'm not worried about the Leafs getting out chance because their D is getting bolted all the time. It's just the goaltending. Are we going to get average goaltending? And as you go deeper, well, maybe you need better than average goaltending. And that's going to be the Achilles heel. Like, I hate to use that kind of terminology because it's so cliche, but it's the only talking point for me. If someone came to me and said the Leafs are going to get solid goaltending in the playoffs, I'd be like, watch the fuck out. Cause like, how, how's it, how's anyone going to beat them? I'll say that, but that's going to be what it comes down to. If no, the Leafs aren't going to play anyone that's going to heavily outchance them. 
and we're going to look at the uh, the meters on, on Money Puck and Natural Statric and be like, oh, wow, the, the Leafs got dusted. That's not going to happen. They're too talented up front. They're too solid defensively. They're a well-structured team. They have forwards who are very good defensively. This is a team that always has the puck in their team's end. This is a team that's one of the best power plays ever. It's just going to come down to the goaltending. That's it. That's all that matters, man. It might sound too simple to say it's just going to come to the down to the goaltending, but I completely agree with you. From top to bottom, this team is really good. This is a team that could easily win the Stanley Cup this season. I know it sounds ridiculous to say because this team hasn't won anything in the longest time, hasn't won a playoff series in 17 years. But you go down the roster, they have everything you need. They have the elite players up front. They have an elite power play. They actually have a really good penalty kill as well. Something that people don't really talk about. Like fifth in the league or something. Right now, the Leafs are tied for sixth mm. in a penalty kill percentage. Really good PK. And again, I think the team is way better defensively than meets the eye because the goaltending has been so bad. And you can say, oh, that's because the defense sucks and they give up all these chances. Not really. They, they don't really <laughs> give up that many chances. When you compare them to some of these other teams around the league, it's just when you have the 30th ranked goaltending in terms of five on five save percentage, like it's, it's just going to be tough. Yeah. Pucks are going to go in the net, you know, and it's going to, it's going to appear as if defensively this team is soft and there's issues. And again, it's not like they're a great defensive team Lapore. It's not like there's, you know, no issues whatsoever. Like you can talk about Justin Hall and maybe, you know, the, the bottom of the depth chart on defense isn't fantastic, but go around the NHL. What team has a number five and six defenseman who's elite? Yeah, I know. That's you such know, a Leafs thing. We see people, oh, Justin Hall, or like they'll name someone in the Leafs depth. And I'm like, even the Lightning, I'm sure if we dialed in on their worst players, it'd be like, yeah, they're not that good. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Again, how they get treated differently. At the end of the day, when you're looking at your decor specifically in the playoffs, your top four guys are going to play the most minutes. The bottom two guys, you know, in that five, six man unit are going to play, you know, 16 ish minutes a game. It comes down to your top players. The same thing up front. I always laugh, Lapore. People love to talk about the Tampa Bay Lightning and how they won back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. Oh, their third line. Because of their third line. Give, yeah, me, give a me a fucking, fucking break. break. Go look at the numbers. <laughs> Do you know what Nikita Kucherov and Braden Point did over the last two playoff series? Do you know what Victor Hedman did? Did you know that Andre Vasilevsky had a 937 save percentage in the playoffs last year? Don't give me this bullshit that they won these Cups because of Barkley Gaudreau and Blake Coleman. Good players... Not to take anything away from them. I think they're good players. They obviously contributed. They helped the depth of that team. They, they did a lot of the little things. But if your best players aren't your best players, you aren't winning shit. I don't care how good your third line is. You need Matthews. You need Marner. You need Nylander and Tavares to go on an absolute heater. You need Riley to be the stud that he is. And obviously, you know, we can talk about Muzzin, Giordano, and Brody and those guys as well. But if your best players aren't your best players, as simple as it sounds, you are not winning anything. Mm. It's not about how good your third line is and some dude winning face-offs and grinding in the corner. Sorry yeah. to the people who think that Blake Coleman and Barkley Gaudreau won the Lightning back-to-back -back Stanley Cups. Just 
it's just outrageous. I, I just really had to get that off my chest. Yeah, it was back. I remember like the Penguins. It was, oh my God, Benino. And like, yeah, yeah, he had a, a great playoff and had that big overtime winner. But no, Crosby and Malkin went bananas in the playoffs. I remember even back in the day with the Red Wings and different hockey culture back then. But everyone always talked about like Malpy and Draper. And I was like, yeah, they're nice players, but there's Iserman and Fedorov and Lidstrom the year they picked up Robitaille. Multiple Hall of Fame And Hall. Like, what are we talking about? Like, it was like total juggernaut of a team. Let's circle the guys on the third, like the checking line, as they called it. I always found that funny. And again, like, I love Drapes and Malpy. I'm just saying I always found it weird. Everyone circled them. I think because what happens is the, the old saying, the playoffs aren't a sprint, they're a marathon. So if you play like, you know, let's say the 20, 25 games, yeah, there's going to be a game where a third liner gets a big goal or an overtime winner or makes a play. Like if the if we look at the Leafs last 20 to 25 games, I'm sure we'd find the well, I know we'd find a lot of games where Mikheyev scored a shorthanded goal that won the Leafs the game or Kerfoot made a hell of a play to set up a goal or someone laid a big hit. It's just, it's, it's, it's that many games. Like that's going to happen. You're going to need contribution throughout your lineup. But as you said, the most important thing is that your top guys go a wall and that's it. And it's all about timing and those guys doing well, but yeah, there's nothing more frustrating than the talks about like how like the depth guys and this and that, those guys that are playing like seven minutes and how important they are. It drives me insane. I think another factor in all that is just the media narrative around these games. Think about it, right? Like, for example, if you're going to the Stanley Cup final, you're playing between 20 and 25-ish games. And every game, you the media narrative around the game, you can't just talk about the star players all the time. Like, how often can you talk right. about Nikita Kucherov getting three points a game or Braden right. Point scoring every game? At some point, these networks, right, they have to build narratives around these, these peripheral players, right? The guys that are flying under the radar, but that teammates love them and they, they win face-offs and they're hard to play against and they kill penalties. So you, you always, th these other narratives outside of the star players start to come to the surface as you're going through these playoff runs. And I think that's what usually happens. And that's why, you know, Barkley Gaudreau and Blake Coleman were, were viewed in this light. And it's a reason that they got the big contracts they got in the offseason. But look at Calgary this year, Lapore, for example. Like, is Blake Coleman an integral part of the Calgary Flames? Yeah, good point. You know, like, again, a good player, but holy shit, Johnny Gaudreau, Elias Lindholm, Kachuk. Matthew Kachuk, Jacob yeah. Markstrom has been ridiculous. Yeah. Like, those are their guys. Even, even Andrew Mangiapane, 30-goal scorer. We're not talking Mangiapane. about Blake Coleman. You know, like, it's just, yeah, it just drives me nuts how people for whatever reason, when they look back on some of these cups that these teams win, they think it's because of these, you know, the it's, it's, it's all because of these secondary players and the depth that they brought to the team. At the end of the day, yeah. if the Leafs are going to go on a run, Matthews and Marner, like if the Leafs win the cup, Matthews and Marner are both going to have like 30 points in the playoffs. Yeah. It's all going to come down to uh Kampf and Kasha. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> doing it for doing it, doing it for the Leafs. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable, man. Is, is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up this podcast? No, man. I'm a little anxious for these games because nothing's been, uh, nothing's been locked up uh, as far as seating goes and I'm scoreboard watching. I'll admit it. I'm usually not that guy, but I'm really and truly dialed into the Panthers Bruins and lightning games. 
and rooting for them to lose. Uh, but the Leafs this week have uh, it's Buffalo, Washington, and Ottawa, I believe. So fuck me, that Buffalo game scares the shit out of me because, of course, and Washington lately, like Washington's done some favors for us lately. They beat both Boston and Tampa, if I'm not mistaken. So, I mean, eh, Washington's Washington. And then the Sens are always tricky. So nothing's going to come easy. It's going to be a dogfight the rest of the way, but it's going to be exciting. And at the end of the day, we're going to say, it's not going to be an argument as to who deserved what spot. It's going to be, it's going to be what it is. Exactly. And Lepore, one other game to mention next week, they also play the Islanders on Sunday. Oh, I didn't even notice that one. So they have four games this week. Three of these games are against non-playoff teams, but you laid it out. Like every time they play the Senators, you kind of just never know. They they usually play the Leafs tough. The Islanders, I mean, we know the style that they play. That could be a tight game. The Leafs just find find ways to like lose to these non-playoff teams and then crush all the elite teams. It's just bizarre. Is that Islanders game in Toronto or in Long Island? That game is in Toronto. So they're going to Ottawa to Toronto. Yeah, sir. They're here yeah. on Saturday. I got to find tickets to that somehow. I got to figure that out. Yeah, Lapore, you you need to. We we need GFP in the building. Now you're welcome, man. Senators game. You got a place to stay if you if you make it down. I know, Lapore. I still got, I still got to come down to Ottawa to watch a game with you. Me and Lapore have been trying to plan this for a while. Yeah, and we 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 got to make it happen, man. We need GFP in the house. Leaf Senators. In Ottawa. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah, man. Every time. Well, Lepore, you said it, man. It's uh, this home stretch. There's some important games coming up for seeding purposes, and hopefully the Leafs don't blow it. At this point, <laughs> I think everyone just wants them to finish second because catching Florida at this point just seems out of reach. So yeah. finish second in the division, lock up home ice, and then, you know, whatever happens in the playoffs, whether you get Boston or Tampa, it is what it is, but try to lock up home ice. Yeah. Come on, Leafs. One time. Just one <laughs> time. Don't let us down. All right. That is going to do it for episode 58 of the Gluns for Punishment podcast or GFP, the Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno, once again, if you are a new listener and you really enjoyed the show, we would appreciate it so, so much. If you give us a five-star rating and review on both Apple and Spotify, and if you're watching us on YouTube and you enjoyed the content, we would love you, okay? If you smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lepore, I'm Anthony Bruno, and we will see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone.